Bruce Lawn. On this video, we are going to unpack the idea of paganism influencing and corrupting Christianity as we know it. What does that mean for the believer? And, I, and I'm going to give you guys a promise that if you watch till the end of this video, I'll have some verses to glue this all together and it'll give you hopefully some direction in terms of how to proceed with regards to this conversation. And before we get into that, guys, my name is Ruslan. If you want to master your Devo, we have a free How to Master My Devo Bible study for free. You can hit the link in the description to get you more clarity, get you more context, get you more consistency, and ultimately more application for life change in your Bible study time. The course is free, chopped up into bite-sized pieces. So check that out in the link below. This idea of paganism has kind of resurged its head in the psyche of Christianity. And everyone has questions about paganism and is paganism influencing too much? And what does that mean for the church today? And I remember about 15, 20 years ago, I was coming to the faith and this book came out called Pagan Christianity. And the book basically goes through and just picks apart every single facet of the modern church today. Everything from, oh, I don't know, the buildings we meet in, the way the stage is set up, the the, the this order of the service, everything about Christianity in its modern context, it picks apart. And it basically says, look, we're doing it all wrong. It was never intended to be this way in the New Testament. And Christianity has more or less just been contaminated with paganism and it's all wrong. But what I saw happen was I saw Christians who, who loved Jesus, who were active in community, and all of a sudden they started pulling away from the local church which is a flawed institution, and they transitioned into a house church, and they would get disenfranchised or disillusioned with the idea of what the church is, and they would go to a house church, and then from a house church, it'd be tough to maintain that consistency, so then they would go into kind of like a Bible study fellowship, and they would slowly start to drift away on this notion, the initial thought put in their head that everything about Christianity is pagan in origin. Now, are there things in our modern culture that are pagan or connected to pagan? Yes. Pa paganism. Yes. Okay. And paganism is even a loaded term. That's a really wide spectrum. There's things that's flat out anti-God. And then there are things that are just different culturals and different origins. And I'm going to get into some of those in a second. But there are things that because our societies are assimilated with the Roman pagan cultures at the time and, and the way they assimilated society after the Nicene Creed and Constantine, historically, they would come in and they would say, okay, you guys worship this God on December 25th. Well, you know what? We're not going to tell you to stop doing that. We're just going to tell you it's actually Jesus's birthday, <laughs> right? And and you got, you got this ritual, this thing that you guys do. Okay, you know what? You're doing it all wrong and it's actually this high. It's, you know, it's All Saints Day. You guys do this thing. It's actually All Saints Day. And, and, it's, and that was done multiple times. And so what happened was in order to get the entire Roman empire converted, the church kind of integrated and assimilated all of the holidays, right? And some of you guys are like, what? That's crazy. Well, it's, it's the truth. So there is there some connection in terms of paganism and Christianity? Yes. So let's go to the scriptures and let's just see what the scriptures say with regards to paganism and how should we interact with it. This is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 19. 
This says, and when you look up into the sky and see the sun and moon and stars and all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshiping them. The Lord your God gave them to all the peoples of the earth. There is warning in the Old Testament repeatedly against what? Against idolatry. The issue is with idolatry. The issue is don't do as the pagans do and worship false gods. Because there's only one true and living God. His name is Yahweh. He came in the flesh as Jesus of Nazareth. There's only one God. Don't worship false God. Don't worship the stars. Don't worship the moon. Don't worship other things. Don't make yourself golden calves. Don't make yourselves idols in your own image. There's only one true and living God. So don't worship things. This is the first commandment, so on and so forth, right? And so you're going to hear these things. Oh, this is pagan in origin. This is pagan in origin. This is pagan in origin. So I pulled up a list of some modern things that are pagan in origin, okay? Now, some of these you know, okay? Some of them you don't know, okay? So obviously, something like Easter is an important an important Christian holiday when believers celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That's just good Christian fun, right? Nope, sorry, it's pagan. <laughs> First up is the name, the term Easter is derived from uh, a pagan goddess, and even the Easter bunny has a little pagan streak to him too, as the goddess Estra is sometimes associated with fertility. Followers would sometimes present, pres present her with colored eggs as a way to encourage pregnancy. So we know Easter is, the way we celebrate today, is is it what? It, it, it has origins with paganism. Now, here's the other, here's the issue here though. Like, did you know that fingers crossed is also paganism? Pagan in origin. What am I saying? When we cross fingers, we're wishing for luck, or we're telling a lie, but this practice is a far cry from the pagan tradition it originated from. In ancient times, it wasn't one person who would cross their fingers. Rather, two people would use their same index fingers to make a cross. This was done as an attempt to harness the power of any good spirit that might be hiding nearby. So that, we're like, oh, that's, you know, kids do that. I cross my fingers. Uh, okay, 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 I don't do it anymore. I'm a grown-up. I'm a Christian. But check this out. It gets weirder. Did you know that wedding rings... We're pagan. While the wedding rings themselves are not explicitly pagan, pagan, the fact that we place them on our ring finger most certainly is. In its tradition, Greek and Roman beliefs, your uh, in beliefs, your your fourth or ring finger was thought to have a vein that ran directly to your heart. By by placing your wedding finger, you were making a strong and eternal commitment to love. Another thing people don't know about the wedding ring is the wedding ring was given from the person who wanted to marry the woman as payment for purchasing the bride. Okay? This is true. So there's so many ill things connected to the wedding ring and the origin of the wedding ring beyond paganism that, yo, the wedding ring was symbolic for buying property. That's kind of crazy. Who's going to stop wearing wedding rings? Ah, wait, wait. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, here's a crazy one. You guys didn't know this. Covering your mouth to yawn. Covering your mouth to yawn is just a common courtesy, right? No. No one wants your yawn breath on them. Turns out that's not entirely true. Even covering your mouth to yawn has pagan origins. In pagan uh, Rome, doctors had a clever but completely wrong theory about yawning and infant mortality. They noticed that lots of children died young, and they also noticed that babies were unable to cover their mouth when they yawned. 
Their diagnosis? Yawning allowed a person's vital life essence to escape their body, and apparently covering your pit hole with your hand was the only way to stop an untimely death. You guys want me to get into the days of the week? Mondays to the, you know, the moon god, Sundays to the sun god, that's pagan. You're going to stop saying that? How about, how about so we're, we're, from now on, we're going to say the first day of the week, the second day of the week? Okay, what else? How, uh, months of the year? That's another one. That's pagan. Didn't, didn't know that. Knocking on wood, birthdays. You want me to keep going? My point here, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to riff on anyone. My point here is that so much of our society is integrated with things that are pagan in origin that we wouldn't stop doing all of these things. I mean, unless you want to go the extra mile and not cover your mouth anymore when you yawn. I mean, have at it, fam. If that's what you want to do, that's on you. Okay, I'm going to cover my mouth when I yawn. It's really wonky. Fingers crossed, days of the week, Christmas. And that's what's coming, by the way, because you know what's going to come is Christmas is going to come around. There's going to be a bunch of people that are like, did you know Christmas wasn't a pagan origin and you Christmas tree got spirits on it, right? They're going to go into that. And so my point, the point of this video isn't to tell you whether or not you should or shouldn't do these things. The point of this video is to quite simply say, hey, let's just use our brains and deduce logically this fallacy of the origin myth. Just because something has a non-Christian origin doesn't mean that that is in and of itself wicked. And just because the Bible doesn't prescribe something, like, I don't know, meeting in a building, because according to pagan Christianity, meeting in a building is pagan. Okay, just because the Bible doesn't say, you should go meet in buildings, that doesn't mean that the Bible forbids meeting in buildings. Are you guys following along? In the same way the Bible says nothing about watching Bible studies on YouTube or using a smartphone to read the scriptures. It says nothing about that, right? So just because it doesn't say anything about doing that, that doesn't mean that it outlaws it. Do you guys see how wonky the logic is? Let's talk about symbols for a minute. Uh, my pastor mentioned this point, right? Signs, symbols, so on and so forth. There was a sign that God used once upon a time as a sign of a covenant that he was going to make with his people. And this is a sign we're all familiar with. This is a sign that we all stop and express the wonder when we see it. And we go, wow, that's, that's amazing. There's even been videos made about this sign. Guy stops, he looks on the side, and he goes, double rainbow. And he starts crying, oh my gosh, it's a double rainbow. The rainbow was a sign assigned to what? As a promise to God to his people. Okay? In our context, that sign has been taken and it means something else. The rainbow was a sign about God's glory. People took it and made it a sign about their pride. Okay? It was meant as a reminder and as a covenant, and it was taken and made to be about me and my identity. It was about God's glory, become about people's identity. This sign we've relinquished, and now it's changed the meaning. Has it not? The sign of the rainbow has changed the meaning. And now most Christians and churches wouldn't put that sign up 
because it's changed meaning based with the times. And so when we look at this idea of symbols and signs, we have to just stop and just say, hey, if God's the creator and the originator of everything, then all signs in all shapes come from him, including the eyeball, right? Because it's like, oh, Illuminati is the one eye, right? Including the triangle, including, right, all, all of these things are ultimately from God. All signs, all images, all things are from God. And the enemy cannot create, he can only counterfeit, okay? So he could take something that was designed as a sign for good and he could counterfeit it and, and, and perverse it, okay? So we, we have to understand that in our culture, signs, different signs, and it can mean different things for different people, okay? So let's go to Colossians chapter 2, okay? This is speaking about the tension that they were living in in the church of Colossae. And this is the same issue that happened in Galatians. And their issue is, well, you guys got saved, but you still have some of your non-Christian culture, right? And your non-Christian culture has you behaving on a symbols, rituals, festivals level different than the Jewish Christians who've been Jewish their whole life. And Paul is writing this church, and this is the same thing that the book of Galatians is about. And he says, hey, look, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denials or the worship of angels or uh, saying they have visions about these things. Their sinful minds made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes, okay? And then he says, this is this is the distinguishable variable here. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules? You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world, from the, from the, the signs, from all of these things that everyone's so afraid of. You've died with Christ, he set you free from all these things. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't don't handle, don't don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. And then in the following chapter, he says this, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord your God. So he's saying, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. And then Paul later goes on to say, hey, whether in eating and drinking, just do it unto the Lord. Okay, so in, we have three options when it comes to Christmas when it comes to your holidays, when it comes to the days of the week, when it comes to a wedding ring, when it comes to whatever. And I think we've lost some of these things. I think we've lost our way of thinking around these things. The first option is we could say, hey, you know what? This is good. Maybe it's directly from scripture. Maybe it's directly from the Bible. And this is good. I can receive this. I can receive this. Maybe it's advice from your pagan doctor. Okay, your pagan doctor is like, look, bro, you're eating too much Chick-fil-A. I know it's a Christian establishment, but you're eating too much Chick-fil-A. Your blood pressure is high. You got to stop eating so much Chick-fil-A and so much fried chicken. You got to cut that out. You got to go outside more. You got to go on walks and, and you got to lose some weight. Okay, your pagan doctor tells you this. What are you going to say? No, Chick-fil-A is a Christian institution. What are you, he's, he's pagan, man. What are you talking about, right? You're going to say, 
yeah, that's I'm, I should receive that information. That is good information. I'm going to receive this, okay? So certain things you should just receive. If you're non-Christian, pagan, atheist, LGBTQ, whatever doctor tells you you're overweight, you need to lose some weight, you need to eat more whole foods, less fried and processed foods, you got to lose some weight. If, if your doctor tells you that, you need to listen to them because it's good information. We can just receive it. The second part is there's certain things that we just have to absolutely reject, okay? I'm not playing with Ouija boards, all right, I'm not, I'm not dabbling in that. I'm not doing certain things that are just flat out sinful. I'm not, uh, like I'm not going to a mosque. I'm right. I'm not, I'm not praying towards Mecca. Uh, there's certain things like I'm just not doing. I have to reject certain things as a follower of Jesus, mainly when it comes to idols, false gods, so on and so forth. Certain things I just have to reject. I got to say, nope, can't, can't go there. Can't do that. Not for me. I am set apart. I am a follower of Jesus. Okay, so we go, boom, certain things we just have to reject. The third category is the category we, we, we miss. The third category is the category we miss. And that category, hear me loud and, and, and clear, is redeem. There are certain things that in their origin were wicked like the wedding ring, which was used as a symbol to buy women as property, that we say we're going to redeem this onto the Lord. And, and then at a wedding, what, is the, what does the pastor say? Well, the wedding ring symbolizes the eternity of your love for each other. So we take a symbol, we take something that was evil, and we redeem it and we repurpose it. We do this all the time, whether it's the days of the week whether it's holidays, whether it's genres of music, whether it's fill in the blank, okay? There could be some technology and you could redeem certain things, right? So there are certain things we can actually redeem. We can say, man, this was maybe not Christian in its origin, maybe it wasn't godly in its origin, but we can redeem it onto the Lord. We can redeem it onto the glory of God. There's certain things you can't redeem, okay? So it's like, you're not redeeming like, being an OnlyFans model for Jesus. Okay, like that's irredeemable. Hear me loud and clear. Some of y'all are like, I'm gonna go redeem and be a meth dealer for Jesus, right? Like, no, 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 no. They can't be a meth, you can't be a pimp for Jesus. You can't redeem being a pimp. Can't certain things that no no, those things we just say how to reject. You can't you can't do those things. Those are bad. Those are bad, right? But there are certain things that are in culture that maybe aren't Christian in their origin that you can redeem onto the glory of God. And that's a good thing. And I would say when, when it comes specifically to Christmas, when it comes specifically to fill in the blank, right? You have to ask yourself, is this redeemable? Meaning that maybe, yes, there's some connection to some pagan thing, but so is everything else that we talked about. Remember, we talked about the wedding ring. We talked about the yawn. We talked about the days of the week. We talked about birthdays. We talked about all these different things have some pagan origin. And so... Whether that's, I don't know, the way the building is built with everybody pointing towards, right, uh, uh, the stage. Oh, that's pagan, right? We can redeem that onto the glory of God and gather in a, 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 a setting that maybe intentionally wasn't used in the way the early church gathered. We can redeem that onto the glory of God, okay? So when it comes to these things, you have to pray and seek Jesus on your own to figure out 
where you're at with these things. You have to go down this path and pray about these things, so on and so forth. But what I am going to tell you is don't beat yourself up for enjoying things, and then you hear some information somewhere that, oh, you know, everything about Christianity is pagan, and then your entire faith falls apart because someone put that thought in your head, ignoring the rest of the process. Because did not Jesus come to a wild and defiled world and redeem them onto himself? Is that not what he did, right? And there were times where he would have to say hard truth and reject certain things. Even his own disciple, he told Peter, get behind thee, Satan. Peter didn't understand the plan that Jesus had, right? Sometimes he rejected him, but there were a lot of times where he would redeem and redirect them. When the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, remember, multiple arguments, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus would say, you freaking idiots, you're stupid, right? He could have, could have said that. What are you talking about? No, what did he do? He redirected them. He said, hey, you want to be great? I'm going to tell you how to be great. I shall be first. You want to be great? You got to serve. Mm. So we even see Jesus redirecting and redeeming humanity. And then he says, as Christ has reconciled people to himself, he then calls us ministers of reconciliation. Hmm. So some people, listen, I'm not mad at you if you want to live removed from culture. I'm not upset at you if you want to, everything is pagan and it's all pagan, it's all Rome, Constantine, Catholic Church, it's all pagan. You don't want to do Christmas? That Listen, that's on you. But the person here that's genuinely trying to wrestle through these things, I'm just looking to give you an alternative view of how you can receive parts of Christmas Okay, receive parts of Christmas and maybe redeem parts of Christmas. Maybe the Christmas tree wasn't Christ-centered in its origin, but we're going to redeem it onto the glory of God because it's just a tree, fam. At the end of the day, it's just a tree. Okay, and you know who created that tree? God. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> he created the tree. So even though somewhere, somewhere along the lines, maybe someone used it and, you know, maybe December 25th isn't, his birthday, right? We can redeem it onto himself. Uh, 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 Thanksgiving, very conflicting holiday. Very conflicted holiday. A lot of Native Americans aren't super stoked on Thanksgiving. Okay, but some folks that are Christians, we redeem that and we say, yeah, we're going to use this as a time to get together and give thanks to God. We just redeemed it. Something that was uh, kind of sketchy in its origin. We're going to redeem it onto Jesus. Okay, as far as me and my household, we enjoy most holidays. Okay, we enjoy Christmas. We enjoy these things. It's a fantastic verse. This is 1 Timothy 4, uh, verse 4. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. I think this verse absolutely summarizes what I'm saying. If we receive things with thanksgiving, if we redeem certain things, I absolutely think this is an amazing, amazing way to approach. Hopefully, that's helpful. If you found this video helpful, make sure you give it like for the YouTube algorithm. And if you want to go the extra mile, consider partnering with us on Patreon. That would be fantastic. You get access to all kinds of exclusive content. And don't forget to sign up for our How to Study the Bible free course at Mastermind Devo or in the description below. I appreciate you guys. King Stream Entertainment.
Bruce Lawn. Yo, thank you so much for making it to the end of this video. We have a free three-day master YouTube live challenge coming up to learn how to go and become more consistent on your YouTube page. If you're a business owner, entrepreneur, expert, thought leader, make sure you sign up for that below. If you found this video valuable, here are some other ones. Here's some other ones for you to check out right here. All right, peace.